All right, all right. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Shepherd's Love Discipleship Center. We're going to go ahead and get started with a quick word of prayer, and then we're going to our lesson for today. Um, we are still in our family series. Um, um, today, we're going to be discussing wives and women, of course, and just kind of um, filtering through that. And we'll see what the Lord has to say and what he's doing. So, um, yeah. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you today. We give your name praise, Lord. We give your name honor. We give your name glory. Lord, we thank you for a time of sharing today. We thank you, Lord, for being able to walk through this, Lord God, moment of this family series, God. We thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for continuing to be um, our guide, Lord God, continuing to be our, our sustainer, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, even through challenging times, Lord, you are there for us, God. You are the one who um, created us a clean heart and you continually renew a right spirit in us, Father. And Lord, we thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for keeping a heart posture toward you, God. We thank you in the name of Jesus, Lord God, for keeping that heart posture toward you and that we don't become, Lord God, bitter in seasons of challenges, Lord God, that we don't become bitter, Lord God, in seasons of adversity, Lord God. But Lord, we are honored to be, Lord God, vessels of 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 honor. Yes, God, vessels of honor. That's the word. Thank you for Holy Ghost. We are honored to be vessels of honor in the name of Jesus, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, where we represent you, Father, in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for a great, Lord God, uh, meeting today. We thank you for a great session today, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and continue to be with us, God, as we continue to launch out in the deep, Lord God, with many different things of the unique transformation enterprise. Lord God, including a Shepherd's Love Discipleship Center. And Lord, we thank you because you are faithful, God, and we know that you are here with us. And so we thank you for always being here with us. And we honor you, Father, and we love you and we worship you in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for great, Lord God, receptivity today. We thank you for our hearts being opening in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we may be able to receive. And Lord, we even thank you for our listening audience, Lord God, who may be listening um, via podcast or um, YouTube or video, Lord. We thank you for that listening audience, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that they may, Lord God, Here's something, Lord God, that will shift their path, Lord God, that will shift their direction, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and change their perspective, God, in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you, we worship you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, at this time, we're going to call for my wonderful, wonderful wife, who is coming today um, to minister. Um about wives and women, and then I will follow up and come behind her in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, baby, for the prayer. So, again, we're picking up on family matters of the heart, family structure, however you want to put it. We're still talking about family. So, just a quick recap, we talked about family overall in the beginning. And so have a visual. Again, um, I put a visual up of how God originally wanted family to look like. And it's supposed to be put together perfect in the Garden of Eden, just skipping along, eating the 
fruits and berries and all those wonderful things. That's how it's supposed to be. No stress, no worries, no nothing, just straight obedience. But, you know, life happens. And so then um, we talked about the second week. We talked about um, husband and man. Um, we talked about the difference in that and how um, God originally wanted man to be. And then what happened what ha what happens when sin come in and how the world changes everything. And so we know that the husband, when it comes to the family structure, or even a man, when it comes to the family structure, they're responsible to holding the family together, binding it together. That is their responsibility because they listen to the Lord and they pour back into the family. So they bind it together. So today we're going to talk about wives and women and um in my study i found something very interesting that i didn't know and i'm gonna keep building on it so be on the lookout for something coming soon um but um so um, i always give definitions and everything and so we're going to talk about the definition of a wife first and then I'm going to go into the definition of a woman. And when I go into the definition of a woman, then we're going to see why it is women are so, I want to put it this way, why we're so attacked from all areas. And then also why the enemy is always trying to manipulate what a woman is. And we're going to see why. Um, and I think this gives clarity because it goes to scripture and then we're going to see why society is trying to make what God said, what God spoke into a false reality. All right. So the definition that I have came up with wife, we already know she's a helper, right? We are helper. Um, we are the husband's help meet. And so when we look at the word helper in the Old Testament, helper is looked at as ethical, spiritual, and physical assistance given to anyone in need. So that means that helper could be not just woman, it can also be a man when you look at it from the OT, um, the OT uh, place. But helper is also defined as a woman role in the functional difference existing between husband and wife. So it's a functional role. It's very functional. It's not a lack, it's a functional. Helper is one who provides what is lacking in another, one who can do what another cannot do alone. So that is why God created woman to be a wife because man, husbands, cannot do everything alone. They cannot. Just like the Lord, and I'm referencing just like the Lord comes as a helper um, to assist the helpless because he has what is necessary to meet the needs. That is the same process as a wife. We are here to help assist the needs of our husband as well as the family. And then it's going to go broader into society. Um, as a helper, the woman limits her subordination, which is submission, 
to her function and role, but is complete within that function. Now, I got to say this, because <laughs> some people look at, well, I have to submit so I can't function this way. No, because like we talked about before, we are submitted to Christ first. And so as Christ gives us in, insight and input, we will be obedient to that according to your household. And I have to say this as a disclaimer, <laughs> if you are married to a unsaved husband, those are the things that you have to discuss before you get married, right? You have to discuss those things because there is a responsibility for a helper um, according to a Christian way of life. So if your spouse is unsaved and you're trying to be obedient in the Christian duties, you cannot go into thinking your spouse, your husband is going to understand because they're unsaved. They would not have that understanding. They would not have that intellect. They would not have that level of submission to God to understand what you're doing. So we have to also be mindful of that. So when it comes to a helper, a wife as a helper, that is going to be really in a Christian lifestyle, a Christian marriage. Um, so with the help of this self-imposed limitation does not invalidate any superior giftedness, but makes all her gifts and abilities available to one she is committed to help. So as a helper, you're not limited in anything. It actually enhances your gifts to all who you are called to help. And that is the key, who you are called to help. So it's like setting boundaries. Yes. And we're going to get into that because we, uh, as women, there is a responsibility for women to go out into society and help train society. But you are called to help. That is, and committed to, to help. So that is the key. Wives or women are called to be household administrators. That is the key. That is why we are helpers. Uh, we are called to be household administrators. And for me, that speaks of systems. We are responsible to make sure the functioning, the flow, everything in our household is in line and um, and that's also a way of how you pray. We'll talk about that too. Um, and so I'm referencing here Proverbs 14, 1. And I think we all know that. Every wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Wise women are those who focus their energies on shaping their household in conformity with God's purpose. So that means their foundation in that is fearing the Lord. So that is the only way a wife can build up or a woman, even if you're a single mother, the only way you can build up your house is in the with the God uh, purpose. And you have to fear the Lord. That has to be your foundation. You can't fear man. You can't fear yourself. You can't fear society. You have to fear God. This period. Um, as household managers, 
wives are responsible to give the family guidance and direction. That is our responsibility. And that is referencing 1 Timothy 5, 4, um, chapter 5, verse 14. And that says, therefore, I want younger women to marry, have children, manage their households, and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us. Now, who is us? The body of Christ. And that goes into intercession. So there, there is a lot of responsibility when it comes to, yes, I want to get married. Yes, I'm ready to be a wife. But you have to understand you are a helper in a broad sense. <clears throat> and so with that being said, <clears throat> let's see how I want to go. Let's talk about woman. And this is why. Women are always attacked by character, by looks. Uh, we are attacked by how we move and how we create and how we do things. Uh, women, is, women are attacked because even if you know, um, they want to ch change the way, uh, don't want to be known as woman. Now they want to change our names. If you're a mother, they don't want you to be called as a mother. They want you to be called as a, a child-bearing person. They just have these crazy names. They want to take away woman. Why? Here's why. Women uh, are the only creatures said to be built by God from raw resources derived from the man. Keyword built. Heaven and earth was created. Man was created from dust. So God spoke, thought, created, right? Genesis, plain and simple. But when we look at Genesis 2, verse 22, we see this verse. Then the Lord God made the rib he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to man. Now, when we say God made, we're going to look at it from the Hebrew understanding. God made mean built. So that is the only we women, wives, we are the only creatures you will read in the Bible that was built by God. And so I want you to start thinking about that built. So when he built us, he built us with our purpose in mind. He put everything in us. He put everything for us to be a helper. He put everything in us to withstand what comes our way because we are help meet. And um, scripture also say what it says about wives, a husband find okay. a wife. No, okay. that ain't what it says. <laughs> Pray for my husband. But when it says when a husband finds a wife, he finds a a good thing, yeah, and obtain. Yeah, see, you don't want to say that part. <laughs> and so in that, and even when you look up the definition of thing, you can't really find anything. It's just thing. And that is why, because we're able to be whatever we need to be for our husband, 
We're able to be whatever need for society. We're able to be whatever our children needs. We're able to be whatever the church is needing. We can basically conform to the needs that is in our presence. That is why we're a good thing. And um, that's why I'm, uh, I wanted to really put the definition of woman last, because when we begin to look at the core characteristics of a godly woman, keep that in mind, Genesis 2, verse 22, we were built for this. We were built for this. And that is something that it really hit me. And I'm stuck on that. And you will be seeing more about that coming soon next year. But we were built for this. And so when we look at the, the core characteristics of a godly woman, there's 25. There's 25. And so I'm going to give you, um, give it to you and also give you scripture that goes with it. And we're going to see what the Lord do because I'm going to end it with intercession. So the number one is, and we already talked about a godly woman fears the Lord. We have to fear the Lord no matter what. I don't care how sweet your husband is, how bad he is, how passive he is. Um, I don't care. We have to fear the Lord. I don't care what society say. I don't care what your church say. I don't care what your homegirls say, what your mom, your dad, your sisters, whatever. You have to fear the Lord. His word has to be first and his word has to be last. And that's why I would say when I get into intercession, you understand why when you feel the Lord and obey him, everything else will line up because there's work that we have to do. That's all it is. There's work we have to do. And so Proverbs 31, 30 says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who feels the Lord is to be praised. Charm is deceitful. We know that because one day that charm going to be gone. You're going to see the real person. Right. And beauty is vain. We know that much because you take that away. What do they have? Who are they if you just focus on beauty? But a woman who feels the Lord is to be praised because when you feel the Lord, that's where favor come. That's where prosperity come. That's where strength comes from because heaven supports and back us up because we put God's first. Number two, she speaks and behave wisely, not just be obedient to the husband. Oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but she speaks and behave wisely. Um, Proverbs 31 verses 26 to 27 says she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So we don't idle anything. We just focus on wisdom. Um, and we, were, we focus on what we say. And I got to put this in. I have had people tell me, you ought to say this, you ought to pop out. That is not wisdom. That is not wisdom. Yes, you get angry. Yes, you get frustrated. You want to say what is in on the tip of your tongue. But is that what God wants you to say to tear someone else down in that moment, in that 
heat of the moment in your emotions because later on you'll regret what you say. And so a lot of times women feel that it's a weakness being quiet, but it's not a weakness. It's actually a strength because when you're quiet, you're internalizing the situation. You're internalizing what's going on with you, what's going on with the person that you was connected to, what's going on. And you give God the opportunity to come in and have his way with you. Then you respond. And like I always tell wives and women, you want God to ordain that time for you to speak so you can truly be heard. Because when we are in our emotions, we are not being heard. We're just talking. We're being seen, but we're not being heard. And so that is the key thing. We want to be heard. Um, number three, she helps to guide younger women into godliness, godliness themselves. So that is a responsibility. Titus 2, 3 through 5 says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husband, that the word of God may be revealed. Okay, so that's something I need to work on. Work at home. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But um, she helped guide younger women into godliness themselves. That is a responsibility. That is a characteristic that God has placed in us when he built us and charged us to do. Number four, she submits to her husband in Christian marriage. Keyword, Christian marriage. She submits to her husband in Christian marriage. And again, if you're married to an unsaved one, that is, I always say, uh, that is a conversation that you two should be having together, what submission look like. What is it that they're looking for? What is it that they need from you? What is it that you need from them? What are you looking for? Because in a Christian marriage, it is automatic is a submission. As the husband submit to the Lord, the wife should submit to the husband. It's, it's automatic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because once you get married, you you made a covenant with God, even if there is no understanding. You made a covenant with God. You as the saved individual understand the covenant. You understand that you say I do to the Lord and you understand the word of God. That's, that's even vice versa. Like we said um, a couple of weeks ago, even if the husband is saved and the wife is not. That still is a level of honor that he has to give to his husband. That's just like um, Hosea and Gomer. Same situation. What she say? He was a prophet of the Lord. She was a prostitute. But he honored her, cherished her, and would still held on to his covenant vows with the Lord. And then she changed. 
it is to still the same process, no matter who is saved and who is not. There is a covenant. And then as you go into that agreement with the Lord, this is the one for me. I'm going to marry them. God is going to honor it. He's going to honor that covenant. And then he's going to teach the saved one how to submit, how to honor, how to love, how to cherish, how to be there. And in that process, that within you are witnessing to your unsaved loved one. No, no, even right now, as we walk this earth, we're not responsible for nobody's salvation. We cannot put nobody in heaven or hell. We cannot judge anybody. So we're not responsible. Oh, you have to come to church. Oh, you have. No, your responsibility is to love, honor, and cherish your spouse. Just like it's our responsibility to do the same with those unbelievers. It is not our place to judge anyone. It's not our place to tell them, oh, you're going to hell because you did. You're sinning because you're doing this. When all of us are sinning at some point throughout the day with a thought, with a feeling, with a rolling of eyes. Oh, I can't do this. Road rage. Something. We have broken some level of um, standards with the Lord that we do not know of. So we do not have the right to with our loved ones and say, well, if you don't do this, I'm doing this. I'm withholding this. I'm with it. Then now God is holding you accountable. In a higher standard, because you're the saved one. So your standard is higher than the unsaved one. So if you choose to use the word of God or your Bible, or your Christianity to beat down the unsaved one, God is holding you on a higher standard than your unsaved one to where he's still giving your unsaved one mercy, grace, forgiveness. Same that he gave you to bring you into the fold. He's doing the same thing to them. But now you're being judged as his daughter or son in the earth, as his representative, as his ambassador. Now you're being judged by God, how you're treating his child. And I think when we start looking at it that way, and I said it before, even though Mario is my husband, he is still my brother in Christ. So when it comes down to where I can't connect with him, we having a bad moment, I just feel like I want to woo, 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 woo. I have to pull back and like, but at the end of the day, he's still a child of God. He is God's responsibility, not mine. I am responsible to be obedient what the Lord tells me, share it with him. If he say no, that's on him. If I'm doing exactly what God tells me to do and he comes in and say, well, I don't like this. This is not right. We are changing all of this. I've been obedient to the Lord. It's on him. And so all I have to do is just continue to communicate with God for myself, for my peace, for me to continue to be obedient and, and love him as well as praying for him to hear the voice of God. So that goes to even if you have an um, unsaved one you're married to, the greatest love is intercession for them. If they're drinking, smoking, party, you know, all of those things, the greatest love is intercession for them, not popping off at them praying for them, worshiping God for them. You can do that. Call on heaven to come and comfort them in their pain, in their agony, in their 
um, their lack because of you have to remember that once was me. So no, we, we we're, we're not responsible for nobody's salvation. Nobody. You had your hand up? I did. I just want to add, um, our responsibility is to live a life um, that's pleasing unto the Lord so that they can understand why we're walking this Christian journey of salvation and to hopefully direct them to salvation by our lifestyle, not by, you need to be saved, you need to be saved, you need to know. Yep. All right. Um, number five. She maintains a witness for God in her marriage. Good God. <laughs> That's First Peter three one. It says, "Likewise, wives, but subject to, but subject to your own husband." So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Just what we talk about right there. Uh, number six, she does not behave foolishly and so protect her household. I already referenced this, Proverbs 14.1. Speak of the wise woman builds her house, but, fool, but folly with her own hands tear it down. I love this one. Number seven, she keeps an inner beauty. And I think that is a, a bit struggle for wives and women in general, trying to keep up with the trends, trying to look beauty, beautiful in this area and that area because of society or maybe even because of your husband is requiring you to look a certain way. I do know that happens and it begins to tear a woman's continence and identity apart. But when we look at 1 Peter 3 and 4 and it says, but let your adoring be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit when it when which in God's sight it's very precious so that literally speaks of our inner beauty what is inner beauty what is it it simply is the radiance within not outside it simply is let giving God everything that you're dealing with, submitting to him first, giving him all of your pain, all of your frustration, all of your confusion, giving him your worries, giving him everything that you're battling with on a daily basis, surrendering it to him and allow him to work on your heart, to cleanse your soul, to work on your mind. That will begin to radiate out. And that is what God really wants for women to understand is nothing that we wear, like how I look right now, that's not beauty to God. I can have an hourglass body and walk around. You're not God. You are my Lord, but you're not my God. And so you can be, I can be tip top, you know what I'm saying? 
But to God is is nothing to him. It doesn't move him. It doesn't please him. It doesn't bring forth prosperity. It does not bring forth strength. It does not bring forth honor. It doesn't open doors for you. It doesn't do anything but keep you in a place of stagnation. It keeps you in a place of vanity. It keeps you in a place of um, low self-esteem because it's really low self-esteem when you do not have inner beauty. And so that is what God is looking for. Number eight, she keeps from gossiping and speaking ill of others. That's a big one. That's a big one. We think we sit around the table, chit-chatting, cup of tea, cup of coffee, glass of wine. Girl, she did this. Girl, she said that. He did this and he did. And thinking that's honoring God. Why? Because we, I have the Holy Ghost. I'm saved. The Lord knows me. Or it's not. No, that's still gossiping. Still gossiping. First Timothy 3.11. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slander, but sober-minded, sober faithful in all things. So in other words, we have to watch what we say, how we speak, who we're hanging around. I mean, if you got a, a, someone that's messy and you feel that spirit, you literally have to say, this is not for me because we feel the Lord first. We feel the Lord first because it will destroy your reputation. It will destroy your marriage. It will, and I'm, I'm even going to go here. What you say and what you do as a woman and you have children, that trickles over into your kids. And then your children have to start fighting generation curses and generation things that they did not create themselves. It's what we have done. It's what we have said. And we think it's cute and cute because we get gacking and all of that. But we have to be mindful if you want to have children or if you already have children. Even if your children are grown, you have grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Whatever comes from your bloodline, you have to be mindful of what you speak and say because it, 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 it follows them. Because it may not affect you today, but the enemy knows, but there is a bloodline. I don't need you. Let me get your bloodline. You prayed for them. You prophesied to them. You spoke over them. But you're sitting here gossiping. You're sitting here slander. So I'm going to take this and put it on your bloodline. So I can't destroy you right now, but let me destroy your bloodline. And if we get in that mindset, we will know this conversation is not for me. This person is not for me. This environment is not for me because I have a greater responsibility to make sure my bloodline is cleansed. My bloodline is safe. My bloodline is pure. And that my bloodline prosper and not be stagnant because we know what resistance is. We know what stagnation is. So we shouldn't want that for our bloodline. So that's a lot to think about as women when we just sit around, want to chit chat. Words. Yes. Yes. Because it's, it's a curse. Just like you can be in someone's womb. A child can be in someone's womb. And I can speak clearly because we witnessed this with our oldest. He remembers what his biological mother and biological father was doing and said when he was in his mother's womb. 
And when he starts speaking and start telling us these things, first we thought, okay, this, this you're making up something. But when I brought her that conversation and I started talking to her about it, she was like, how could he remember that? Because that, that's what happened to me. That's what will say it to me. That's what, and it was words that the bio said, bio father said to the mother, the biological mother, and they exchanged words, harsh words that they were just saying about each other. And he remembered it. And that is something that we had to pray off of him because we saw how it was trying to get a hold of him, the thinking and all those things. And so words does not, um, generation curses just not, do not come from just sexual acts or you open yourself up to a demonic spirit or things like that. It's actually what we speak. Life and death lies in the power of our mouth, it's in our tongue. So if we're gonna speak death, that follows. Because we also have to remember God created us, right? So we're little gods in the earth. We are ambassadors of Christ. So he given us dominion and power and authority to do as Jesus Christ did when he walked this earth. So whatever Jesus spoke, whatever Jesus said, it manifested. His word never returned void. God's word never returns void. So if we are little gods in the earth, we are his ambassador, we are his disciple, we have dominion and power and authority, just like Jesus Christ, what happens when we speak? So when we start speaking life, we see, we see manifestation. So what happens when we start speaking death? Gossip is death. Slander is death. It's going to bring forth death things. So those are word curses. Those are generation things that can get into our children. So we got to stop looking at generation curses as just a sexual act or I open myself up to demonic activity. No, things that you say, because we, I think it's James 1. Is it James 4.1? I think it is. You can look that up for me to make sure. I think it's James 4.1 when it talks about the enemy within. We're constantly dealing with the enemy within. It's not always the enemy in the air, the enemy in the environment. We're dealing with ourselves. That's why we got to renew our minds. That's why we have to always submit ourselves to Christ. He says, submit yourself to me as a daily living sacrifice. Why? Because there is an enemy within that's always trying to destroy the goodness of God. When I try to do good, my flesh. So if that, if that right there alone knowing that I have an enemy on the inside fighting me based off what I say. Why would it not follow my bloodline? What's connected to me? We always pray, God, everything that's connected to me, let it prosper. Bless it. So if that is our prayer, don't you think the enemy is doing the same thing? Again, his little imps and his little demon, everything that's connected to them, kill it, destroy it, sift it like wheat and destroy it. So it's always the same way. Always the same way. But I think that's James 4, verse 1, what it says. The battle within. 
um, verse, um, verse, <laughs> um, we did nine. Okay. Uh, yeah, nine. Number nine, she works hard and take care of her home and family. She works hard, take care of her home and family. So when people say, why are you doing this? Why then? This is part of my responsibility as a woman and as a wife to work hard and take care of my family. What is work hard? What does work hard looks like for you? That's between you and God and your husband. And if you're not married, it's still between you and God. How you take care of your family is between you and God and your and your husband or your children's father. It has nothing to do with me, society, the church. And I hate when church is always trying to dictate how people run their household when they do not have the authority. I said it. They do not. Only God does. They can give advice. But God's word is first and last. Can nobody tell you how to run your house but God? Why? Because God is the only one who knows you, knows your spouse, knows your children's father, knows your marriage, knows your children, knows your needs, your wants, knows what you're battling with, knows what you're not battling with, knows the lack within the household. God knows how you bought your house, how you didn't buy your house. He know God knows everything. Only people knows what you tell them and what you what they see or what they assume. And then they want to say, but the word of God. Now, God can speak to them and give a prophetic word. Yes. But it's still your responsibility to take that prophetic word back to God, pray about it and begin to cultivate it, not just take it as is. And go on. No matter what we do. Here at uh, here at UTE, we are always saying, whatever you hear us say, whatever you hear your pastor say or your apostle, whoever, you take it right back to God so God can give you understanding. He can teach you some things. He can show you some things. You never take our word at hand. You never take nobody's words at hand. You always take it back to God. And it's just like even in our marriage, my husband would come and share with me, you know, God said this about us to do this. And God said this for the kids or, you know, God said this for you. Or he'll just say, well, I feel like we need to do this and we need to do that. I'm like, oh, OK, got it. I don't still take his word. I have to go right back to God. I'm like, all right. So how do you want me? Do you want me to move in this? When do you want me to move in this? How do I start preparing? How do I pray? How do I worship? How do I study? How do I help him even in this assignment that you're giving the family? Because he is the priest. He is the head of the house. So even though God telling him that I need to do something, he's my covering. So then is how do I still be obedient to him? as I'm moving in this assignment. So there's still always, we have to take everything right back to God. And that's what we do here at UTE. We always tell everybody, turn it right back to God because his word is first and his word is last. Because when you have God's word, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Um, for, for nine, it said Proverbs 31 verses 13 through 15, it says, 
She seats wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rides while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portion for her maidens. So this just really speaks of how we rise up and we begin to work and take care of our home. But again, according to what God is saying for your house and for your marriage and for your children, you have to start doing things what God said because there is a standard. Okay, There is a standard for every marriage that God puts out. There's a standard how we should live, how we should be. There's a standard for how every woman in this world should be living. There's a standard for every wife, for every husband, for every child. But if we don't have that understanding, we will start living according to what society tells us. And then when we start living according to what society tells us, that's when we have holes in the family, that there's nothing put together and this one right here represent wives. Wives build up the house, build up the walls of the house. As you can see, there is no structure. There's no walls here. It's just the center. It's removed because the wife is not functioning like she's supposed to. Where is all the, the other part that puts together, that's been built up, it's gone. It's rigged. It's rugged because she has not done what God told her to do. So this is what happens when a wife does not build up her house, build up her children, build up her marriage, build herself up, build her husband up according to how God tells her. But when we begin to function on society and the institution that society says is broken. Number 10, she recognized that God is for her. Judges 4, 14 says, And Deborah said to Barak, Up from this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? Now this one right here is something I had to chew on some years ago. And every now and then I still have to remind myself, God is with me. Because as wives and women, because of the, the level of things that we have to do on a daily basis, you get tired, you get frustrated, you get worn out, you're being tested time and time again on work or in your family. You get tired and you lose focus, you lose hope, you just lose it. And you have to remind yourself, God is with me. God will go before me. God will sustaining god will be there for me like you have to remind yourself these things because if you do not and waiting for someone else to do it for you you will be lost because there are times where your spouse or your boyfriend or your children father they're not going to give that to you because they're in their own battle and so you got to be able to remind yourself who god is for you you have to remind yourself and you have to recognize that he's there for you. Uh, number 11, she is faithful to support others' believers. Ruth 1, 16 through 17 says, But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. 
For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Are we that faithful to those who God put in our lives? In our lives? Are we that faithful to those who God has called us to pour into, to help, to nurture, to show them the right way? Are we that faithful to them? And vice versa. Are they that faithful to us? Because we are the ones that should be living the standard. We are the one that should be representing what Christ looked like as a woman, as a wife. So do we have those individuals, those females looking up to us? Do our children looking up to us like that? Or little boys or children, you know, whoever, do they look at us this way that Ruth did to Naomi? Are we that impactful in the earth? Or are we just stuck on our wants and needs in our house? Think about it. Number 12, she has faith that Jesus can do anything. Now, this is a big one. Especially if you got crazy faith or if you're a prophet. You um <laughs> you operate in a prophetic period. Um, people would look at you like you're crazy. At one point, my husband told me, "Stay out the clouds." I was like, "What? Stay out the clouds?" Um, because you do when you see what God has done, and then when He said what He's going to do, it's like you're, you you believe that. You don't hear nothing else. You don't see nothing else. You believe that and you just wait for it to happen. So you speak it. You speak as if it's right here, right now. I could tangibly touch it. You just childlike faith. You just move in it. And so Matthew 9, 21 says, for she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, he will make me whole. And the key word here, like I say to everybody, for she said to herself. She didn't say it to nobody else. She didn't even tell Jesus. She just said to herself, and then she moved. Are we speaking to ourselves what God has been saying to us and then moving out into it and just doing it? Or we're just saying it and just waiting for someone else to do it for us? 13. She is available and willing to be used by God. Luke 1.38 says, and Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Are we allowing God to use us? His way. Or are we telling God how to use us? And are we telling heaven how to perform for us? Are we telling the creator how to create for us? I know women, 
and wise. We will do that in a heartbeat. No, God, you're going to do this for me. That's what you're going to do. You're going to move. You're going to touch him. You're going to heal him. You're going to work things out for me. That's what you're going to do. And I'm going to sit here and wait. I'm waiting. Oh, you still ain't going to do it? Well, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to fast. I'm not going to love him. I'm not going to tend to his knee. I'm not going to do it. You do it. We have done that. I have done that. And as women, we got it bad to tell God what he is and is not going to do. We got that bad. So we got to break that. Um, be available. Not just sing this song, Lord, I'm available to you. No, I am available. Do as you please. <laughs> do as you please and have your way with me. Like we have to be available for him on his time, not our time. And there has been times where I have literally been available for God four in the morning, three in the morning, six in the morning. You know, he's just like, hey, come on, get up. It's time. Okay, I'm available. We have to do it. 14. She remains dedicated to the things of God. And we've been talking about it, just doing what God says. Luke 2, 36 to 37. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of, I never could say his name, Phanuel. Phanuel? Okay. Of the tribe of Asher. <laughs> she was advanced in years having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with, with fasting and prayer day and night. That is dedication. That is dedication. And I think we can learn a lot from that just even by taking this scripture and laying before the Lord for him to show us how to utilize this word for ourselves, how to submit to it for ourselves and how to allow this word to begin to cultivate in our heart and not just take it as is and run with it. This is a scripture where we can really as women sit in the presence of God and ask the Lord, how can I be dedicated to your word? to your will, to your purpose for myself so that I can fulfill what you want me to do in my marriage, in my household, so that I can be able to build up wisely. So that that is something very important that we can start doing as women. 15, she helps to care for those who spread the gospel. Luke 8, 1 through 3 says, soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called, Ma Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, and Jonah, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susan, Susanna, Susanna, and many others who provided for them on their means. So, are we spreading the gospel of God? He healed us. 
He set us free. Deliver us from strongholds. What are we doing with it as women? Married or not, what are you doing with it? Are you still sitting complaining because you want more? Or are you actually moving in what he has already built into you to do? Number 16, she lives out her faith for Jesus. Keyword for Jesus, not for man. You can reference Luke 7, 44 and 750. It says, then turning toward this, turning the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. And he said to the woman, your faith have saved you. Go in peace. When we begin to serve God and please God, peace that surpasses all understanding will come. Strength from God will come, but we have to be obedient to God first. She Number 17, she relies on God even through hard times. Yes, Lord, through hard times, rely on God. John 11 Verses 21 and 22 says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. That is what we have to do. Because I have been there. Now, if you would have sent your angels, this wouldn't happen. If you would have did this, this wouldn't happen. If you would have spoke to my husband, this wouldn't happen. If you would have just really touched me and got me together, this wouldn't happen. But at the end of the day, whatever he speaks, whatever he say, it will happen. We have to trust. We have to trust God and rely on him through hard times. 18. She is open to God's plan. At 16, 14 through 7 says, one who, heard us at, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of, I hate these big words, but Lord, you know, Tyrata, Tyrata, God bless me, okay. A seller of purple goods <laughs> who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said to Paul. And after she was baptized in her household and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. I think that just says it to herself. I don't proclaim to be a Bible scholar to these big words, these, these words. Yeah, pray for me. But I think that says for itself to be open to God's plan. Um, there's going to be times that we are going to be tested and we're going to see God is going to, are you truly faithful to me? Do you truly love me? All right. Go feed this person. Open your door up to this person. Love on this person. Clothe this person. Shelter this person. You know, even provide finances for this person. And even how society is today, we question God in that because there's a lot of 
widows out here. There's a lot of people that's always out to hurt and manipulate. But do we trust God? We know God for his voice. And if we don't, I encourage you to spend some time with him by getting to know his voice, by listening to pure worship, nothing secular, but pure worship, reading his word, praying, talking to him, inviting him in so that you can know his voice for yourself and no one telling you this is God, but you know God for yourself. So we have to be open to God's plan. And one thing I can say, God's plan would never contradict what he says for us. His plan would never contradict the safety of us. I do not believe that, especially when you're married. God already know how your spouse is. So I do not believe his plan is going to contradict what he has spoken to your spouse and how to protect and cover you. I do believe it's going to align because I do not believe God is the God that put us in situation for us to be harmed. I do believe we overthink what God says and then we move too fast because we don't spend time with him to get clarity on his word. But we move fast because, ooh, God has spoken, let me go. And then harm is there because we did not sit down and spend time with God to get clarity on the plan. Now, I do believe that. 19, she helped God's other to become effective witness, witnesses for Christ. In spite of what others have said, women should not speak. Women should not do this. Women should not do that. God bless y'all. Love you dearly, but God bless you. Um, but we are responsible to, we are responsible for that. We really are. And you can reference Acts 18, 24 to 26. And I'm just going to give scripture because my husband got to come up. Um, and I'm just speaking of even when Jesus risen, the tomb was empty. Who wouldn't proclaim? Who believe? It was a woman. Just so I know that. Um, 20, she walks in love and obedience to God. Obedience to God. Hey. <laughs> um, so we can reference Second John verses five through six. Twenty one, she passes along her faith throughout her family. We can reference 2 Timothy 1, verses 4 through 5. 22, she is always prepared for God's plan. Always prepared. And it's kind of similar to how the husband and the men was always prepared too. Always prepared. That's Matthew 25, 1. 23, she is supported and acknowledged by other believers. Romans, reference Romans 16, verses 1 through 2. 24, she tells other what Jesus has done for her. 
She's not ashamed. Reference John 4, 39. This is when me and my husband was like in the beginning. <laughs> 25. She gives generously to those in need. Reverence Proverbs 3120. I had that bad. I had to start giving wisdom. I, if I saw a need, I just give, cook, whatever. That's what I did. And before I leave, I do want to talk about the importance. If you have not done this, if you if you are not utilizing this prayer watch, begin to utilize it. It is the eight prayer watches. The eight prayer watches. You can look it up and get more understanding on it. But the eight prayer watches is focused on the time frame that Jesus did healing and miracles, those time frames. And so there will be times when we say we're available for God, there will be times that God would touch us in different times as women and as wives throughout the day to get us up to pray to intercede. And the reason why I want to touch on the eight prayer watches is because when we are beginning to intercede, because all these characteristics that I listed and, and provided, and also the definition of woman and wife, submitting to your husband, raising a family, it requires it takes a lot out of you, but it also requires you spending time with God. And there are going to be times where God is saying, yes, I want you to pray. I want you to worship. I want you to study my word. But then there's going to be time where God will like get in my face and intercede for your husband. Get in my face and intercede for your children, for your marriage. There, your marriage is three to you, is you, your husband, and your overall marriage. It's three parts, but it's just one of you all. But there's three parts. And so there's a, we have to get the understanding of what intercession is. We are the in-between. When you intercede and you are the person that's in-between the person and God, you pulling them closer to God. you calling them in closer to God. And so there's going to be times God is going to call us to do that as women and as wives because we were built for this. He put it into us. He created us to be a helper. How do we help our spouses, our children, our family, our society, our church is through intercession. Anna did intercession, even though she was grieving and lonely, she chose intercession. Christ came. She was a bit part of Christ being here because of her level of intercession. So begin to do that. Incorporate intercession into your life. If you do not know what intercession is, begin to research. You can reach out to me. I would love to talk more about it, but my husband got to get up here. Uh, but it is very is is very powerful, and it breaks the watches down because the first watch is from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. The second watch is from 9 p.m. to 12 midnight. The third watch is from midnight to 3 a.m. And then we got the fourth watch from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. And the fifth watch is from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. The sixth watch is from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. And then the seventh watch is from 12 noon to 3 p.m. And then the eighth watch goes from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. 
So God would deal with us in those time frame and each watch means something. There's a definition, there's a reason for each one of those watches. And so if God wake you up in, in one of those watches or you're working or whatnot, he's like intercede to pray in that time frame when you understand what watch you in. Not saying you're a watcher, but understand what watch you are in. You'll know why he got you praying at this time. Because it's a prayer of deliverance. It's a prayer of favor. It's a prayer of prosperity. It's a prayer of healing. It's a prayer of casting out. It's a prayer of binding curses and, and witchcraft. You will begin to know what watch you are in. And it helps you go a long way into intercession. That is all that I have. Baby. Amen. 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 Powerful. 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 We're gonna help her with her mic. Well, I pressed the button. Oh, real? It's still on. You don't want me to go. It's gone now. Good. All right. So, as you know, there's always application with <laughs> UTE <laughs> and I'm, I guess it's time for lightning since thunder has gone all the rumbling, all the rumbling has that lightning is about to strike that's an inside joke so if you want to know about thunder and lightning see Lauren and CJ um, so great job um, Beautiful, beautiful teaching on wives and women. Um, one of the most important things to learn about uh, wives and women is that they are very unique. And so just a quick recap. Um, in doing our uh, family series, we always like to do application. And so um, I'm a visual person. I learn visually. Um, uh, the first week we dealt with the perspective of family and how uh, sometimes we base our perspective off what may have happened to us or our experience and some trauma. And so we have a perverted view of family instead of a godly view. Um, second week, we dealt with husbands and men, and we talked about how God created Adam from the dust up. And so a lot of times we lead our families or we walk around as men and husbands with an ego and we try to lead from a place of an ego, but we should lead from the place of humility um, instead of from the top down, from the bottom up. And because we were created on the foundation and the ground that um, we have to allow our families to stand on our back, our wives and our children to stand on our backs. Um, and that, and, and we'll get into the weaker vessel at a later time, but that's what that really means is, you know, I am man, I husband, allow my wife and my family to stand on my back um, and I have the strength to carry them. And today we're dealing with wives and women. And I want to come from a perspective of sonship. Um, and we're going to create a, a table um, and then we're going to write a letter. <laughs> Lauren is like, what is happening? Uh, <laughs> so. Um, I love the book of Romans, y'all. Oh, my God. It's just one of my, it's my favorite books of the Bible. I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, our, our ministry scripture, UTE scripture, is the book of Romans, Romans 12 and 2. But uh, Romans 8 is another favorite chapter of mine in Romans. 
Um, and it starts out with there is therefore no condemnation. And so even as we go into our application for today, always remember there is therefore no condemnation um, to those who are in God. But I really want to go to Romans 8, 19 through 20. The creation waits eagerly for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was made subject to frustration, not willingly, but because of the one who subjected it. Um, and a lot of time as women and wives, we don't remember or they don't remember that they are sons of God. Sonship is not gender. It is meaning that I have taken on the adoption of Christ. I am his son and will say or daughter um, for understanding and clarity. Um, so today, I believe women get lost in what I call um, the sin nature of TLC. So if, if you have a sheet of paper, <laughs> let's begin our um, application process here and my box is lopsided and ugly but it's okay um and we have tlc here and we're going to get into different components of tlc so um what do y'all think tlc means yes tender loving care um and so it came to me, uh, my wife and I was kind of going over last night what the Lord was saying and how we were going to flow today. And I immediately thought of women expect tender loving care. Wives expect tender love and they should, as they should. Um, but Sometimes things happen in our lives that triggers us to um, see tender loving care in a perverted way or from the sin nature. And so on your chart, your tender loving care is going to be a sin nature and then God, God's design of what tender loving care is. And so when I'm not walking in my authority as son as son or daughter i am walking under the authority of something else whether it's religion whether it's experience whether it's a worldview whether it's a political view whether it's a business view if i'm not walking under the authority of sonship then i'm walking under the authority of something else whatever that may be it could be different for you it could be it could be religion. Most people who are not walking in sonship walk in religion. For those of you who know me know I cannot stand religion. Religion is probably, um, if, if it was a wall, I would kick it down right now. <laughs> I do not like religion. So because we're not walking in, the, in, the, in sonship as wives and women, we're trying to either please our husband. We're trying to either please people. We're walking in religion. Sometimes we connect with people through the lens of the word T, 
And this one is going to be trauma bond. So now my tender is now in the form of trauma bonding. And if you don't know what trauma bonding is, trauma bonding is when two people come together based off of traumatic experiences. So I'll always use me as an example. Um, those of you who know my story, I was delivered from homosexuality. So a part of connecting with other men was trauma bonding through the pain of molestation, the lack of fatherhood and all that stuff. So I began to trauma bond with other people. And so as a woman, sometimes you're looking for that T, that tender man or that tender um, relationship. And instead of it being tender, it's trauma bonding. And so we have to be very careful that we are walking under the authority of sonship and not the authority of anything else. So the true God design would be tender. And so um, that equals nurturing. One of the primary characteristics, I believe, of a woman, um, a wife, a mother, and it's interesting that it's Mother's Day weekend, we're doing this, um, is that they are nurturing. They are nurturers. They are true nurturers. It's not something that they learn. God created them to be nurturous. And so that's that's when I think of tender, I think of that nurturing aspect of what God created women and wives to be. Um, so because oftentimes we trauma bind and women do this quite often. Um, and my wife had started to do it and I'm so glad she's back on the right track. Um, but they begin to lose themselves. They lose themselves in the identity of their husband. They become that shadow um, and they lose themselves in the identity of other people and other relationships. And so we want to make sure that here at A Shepherd's Love Discipleship Center, we are teaching women and wives how not to lose themselves how you have an identity in Christ, just like everybody else, including your husband and those who that you have to quote unquote submit to. So know who you are in God, know that you are a son, daughter in God, and that you do not have to lose yourself based off somebody else's identity. Now, I do think there's a merging that happens, especially when you get married, um, that I think God began to create a new family or a new design as a husband and wife, but that doesn't mean I stopped being who he created me to be individually. So uh, we have to be careful that we don't lose ourselves and become this angry, bitter person because now I don't know who I am. I'm confused. All I do is I'm barefooted, pray and eat, cook and clean. And I don't ever and did not ever want a wife like that. I wanted a wife who was very wise. All the characteristics that my wife talked about, that's what I've always wanted. I did not want a woman who was barefooted, pregnant, cleaning and cooking all the time and not knowing who she is. That's not of God. And so 
for those who have to have had to experience that i solely apologize to you but of course the l here is loving um and that equals loving god yourself and others that's the golden rule so if you do not lose yourself that means you love yourself and no matter what you love yourself and uh, be careful not to lose yourself and allow god to change in creating you a clean heart so that you become loving that you love god love yourself and others and then from the sin nature um when women become bitter they lose themselves they often operate in craftiness and that's to see and another word for that is manipulation and manipulation in all forms of manipulation is witchcraft so um this is why we have to be careful not to allow the tlc to be perverted to become trauma bonding you lose yourself you operate in craftiness or manipulation um, and of course, to see on the God, God's design is care or caring. So that's the TLC chart today um, that I wanted to go over. And the second piece of our application today will come in the form of one of three ways. You're, you're going to write a repentance letter. Um, and one of the things that we teach here at UTE is we take ownership, we take responsibility to change. We don't blame it on others. We take ownership and responsibility to change. So the repentance letter is going to be either if you operated out of one of these three, are you operating out of one of these three today? Uh, trauma bonding, you, you've lost yourself a craftiness. I want you to write a repentance letter to God and allow him to show you how to get over to his design for you as a wife or a woman. Um, if you have any residue of any of this, um, I want you to write a repentance letter asking God to heal you, excuse me, to heal you from that residue of any of these um, sin nature TLCs over here on the left-hand side of our chart. Um, and then if you are a woman or a man, who needs to forgive another woman who have operated out of uh, the sin nature side of TLC. I need you to write a repentance letter and asking God to help you to forgive that woman. So this, this doesn't leave everybody out. Everybody gets to be, uh, everybody gets to be a part of this. So I repeat it so that you can understand the assignment. We are writing a repentance letter. Um, uh, from one of three places. If you are operating out of trauma bonding, if you feel like you've lost yourself and you're operating out of manipulation or craftiness, you write a repentance letter to God and ask him to show you how to get over to his design of tender, loving care. If you have any residue, so you may not be operating out of it, but you have residue of operating out of this and you want to fully leap over into 
the waters of God's design of tender loving care. I want you to write that repentance letter. Now, for all of the for those who are not a woman, for example, a man, and if you're not operating out of this and you don't have any residue, I know for a fact that we know somebody, whether it's a mother, a sister, a wife, um, who have operated from this sin nature and we need to forgive them um, and then show us how to teach others how to operate in God's design of tender, loving care. Um, and when we write repentance letters, it's not just um, God forgive me, but to repent means to turn away. So we're turning away, we're releasing, and we're making sure that we are flowing in God's design. 